Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Grounded flights, closed restaurants, canceled concerts. Just how bad will the coronavirus pandemic and the subsequent shutdowns be for Canada's economy? I'm Emily Jackson, and you're listening to Down to Business. We know you have a lot of questions about how COVID-19 will affect business in Canada, whether you're worried about the stock market or if your small business will stay afloat. Joining us to weigh in is Doug Porter, the chief economist at BMO Financial Group. Doug and I spoke remotely since, like many of you, we're both working from home right now. So the stock market has taken a series of plunges in the past week that has investors rightfully nervous. What's your reaction to the panic? Well, first of all, I think we have to put this in historical context, and it is uh, just an amazing shift in sentiment in the space of uh, under a month. You know, if you go back to less than a month ago, we were at all-time highs on both the U.S. and Canadian markets, and effectively, what we've seen is a very, very sudden shift in the the economic outlook. And understandably, investors are basically trying to reset. Uh, to this new reality, which has probably more questions than answers. And I think it's that uncertainty that's causing the kind of day-to-day volatility. And of course, we're you know just getting a, a wave of bad news, especially just within the, the past week or so. I mean, you know, just for reference, as we speak, it's been less than a month since, say, the NBA shut down and then the NHL and then Disney and Broadway. And it, it's all happened very, very quickly. And, you know, I think initially we we knew there was going to be a challenge for the economy. We knew there'd be some caution among consumers. But I don't think what many appreciate, including myself, was the extent to which we'd see the economy essentially shut down in such a rapid period of time. And, you know, understandably so, in, investors are uh, res- responding amid this uh, great uncertainty. We're, we're still not sure, you know, exactly when these shutdowns can start to lighten and when things can start to turn around. Just how big of an impact do these shutdowns have? I mean, today is Tuesday and we see airlines taking measures to cut capacity drastically. I mean, WestJet is going to be canceling its international and U.S. flights for 30 days starting on the weekend. How big of an effect do these shutdowns have on the economy? Well, and we can look to uh, the Chinese data to, to help us guide us there. You know, we just got the results for February, which was pretty much a month of full shutdown in the Chinese economy uh, for industrial production and and retail sales. Now, at the start of the year, the Chinese data are always a a little bit um, dicey just because of the timing of Chinese New Year. So usually what they do is they take the two first or the first two months of the year and look at them in in tandem. And what we saw was uh, very large declines in both double-digit declines, 20% decline in retail sales, um, you know, a double-digit decline in industrial production. Personally, I wasn't that shocked. I mean, given some of the other indicators we we had seen earlier, um, but I think it gives you a sense to of what kind of numbers we're going to be looking at for March and April here in North America. We've had these shutdowns so far. We've also had some reaction from the Bank of Canada and the U.S. Federal Reserve. Canada cut its rates to about 0.75% and the U.S. cut its rates to near zero. What do you think of these rate cuts as a method to try to ease some of the trouble? And 
and they don't seem to be having much of an effect on the stock market behavior, quite frankly. I'm wondering whether you think they will or how they will affect behavior. Well, I almost think from day one, and, and Jay Powell said it well, you know, there's really nothing that the Fed can do to, you know, reopen a factory in China or to get a cruise line running again. Or, you know, now in this situation, to get a restaurant opened up again, there's nothing they can do about the direct effects of, uh, of the virus and, and how policymakers are responding to it. But what they can do is help uh, to soften the second round of facts, you know, to basically uh, lighten the load for, uh, for debtors out there, you know, and, and basically to set the stage for recovery in the economy later this year. And by the way, I do think that, you know, when the worst of the, the virus does pass, not, not that it's over, but when the worst does pass, we are setting ourselves up for a fairly rapid and, and I would say large recover, recovery in the economy uh, between the tremendous monetary stimulus and undoubtedly a lot of fiscal stimulus. And just as people get going back to work, we are going to see, along with some pent-up demand, we are going to see the economy come back in a, in a big, big way. Now, is it going to completely reverse the losses that we're going to see in through the spring, I don't think so. It's going to take some time, and there will be some outright losses. You know, some trips that got planned. You know, shows people were going to go to, meals people were going to have at a restaurant. We can't, you know, we can't recoup those, but we can get uh, a, a long way back relatively quickly. We think. How low do you think the rates could go? Do you think they could dip into negative territory here in Canada? Well, you know, of course, the uh, the Bank of Canada hasn't got rates yet down to uh, their. Their crisis lows uh, that we saw in 2009. We've still got another 50 basis points to, to go to get there. Um, but both Mr. Polos and Mr. Powell have indicated that that's really the last thing that they would do. And I think the the Fed's been pretty clear that I don't think they're interested in trying negative rates. It's slightly more likely in Canada. Um, the Bank of Canada is actually they've put an official speech about four years ago where they, they talked about the possibility of negative interest rates, how it was uh, one tool in the toolbox. But, you know, we've seen what happened in Europe. We've now got a few years of experience of negative interest rates. And I have to say that the experience has been mixed to maybe even the, the negatives of weighed the positives. And it seems to me that neither central bank is really keen about uh, trying out negative interest rates. Fair enough. Um, but in the meantime, we do have those meals people aren't buying and those shows they're not going to, trips they're not taking. Uh, we have a new survey out from the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. It found that half of small businesses have already reported a drop in sales. More than 40% have reduced staff hours and a quarter say they won't survive a month if their revenue drops more than half. Do you have any projections so far, and I know it's still early, but any projections on layoffs or gross domestic product? How, how big of an impact do you think this could have on Canada? Well, this is really where it becomes critical as to how long you know, the state of emergency or, you know, the shutdowns last. If, uh, you know, if if they start to let people get back to work a bit, um, say within a month, then, then I think the, the damage can be still relatively limited. Um, and realistically, there's, I, th I think most of us are working with about two scenarios. And one is where, you know, I'm not going to say things get back to normal, but basically the extreme shutdowns begin to lighten up at some point later in the spring and maybe by, uh, by, by mid-year and not that we're back to normal but we're uh, you know basically people are out again to uh, to some extent and the virus has lightened up at least temporarily over the summer i think in that that kind of scenario you're still looking at a very heavy drop in in gdp in the second quarter i mean our own estimate is in canada it's going to drop at a at roughly a six percent annual rate but it could be you know we could be underestimating 
the extent to which it could drop in in the second quarter. The the more negative scenario is that the shutdowns last. You know, there's some talk about them lasting till the end of the summer, and there I think you're looking at uh, a much much deeper decline uh, over a number of quarters, and the job losses will frankly be tremendous in in that kind of uh, situation. At what point does this officially become a recession? Yeah, and of course, uh, to some extent, we're dealing with semantics. I think to the average person, the average business, this this is cer- certainly going to seem like a recession because uh, the depth to which we're going to fall over the next month or so. You know, traditionally, the uh, the common or the rule of thumb definition is two quarters of negative growth. I suspect we will get that if uh, you know if it turns out the first quarter is slightly negative, which is starting to look like because of how many shutdowns there are here in March, and almost certainly the second quarter is going to be negative. Um, but usually. You know, the more official way to look at it, I think it, it's got to be judged on three different standards. One is depth, and we do think it'll tick that box. We do think uh, activity will drop enough to, to meet any definition of a recession. Uh, the second one is uh, is dispersion or how widely, uh, you know, does it affect a lot of regions, a lot of industries? Yes, we think this certainly will. This is going to affect almost everybody in the country to some extent. And finally, the last one is duration. You know, does, does it really last a long period of time? And that's where it comes down to how long do these extreme shutdowns last? And I, I don't think it's necessarily the case that this is going to last, you know, two full quarters, but it could it could go on longer than that. Uh, so, like I said, I think at the end of the day, it's it's likely to meet most, you know, most people's uh, definition of, uh, of a recession, a very unusual recession and one that certainly was not caused by traditional economic factors. It's almost that black swan scenario. I think this one pretty much fits that definition to a T, um, probably even more so than 2008. What about a depression? Is the D word a scenario that you're considering at this point? Yeah, well, you know, a lot depends again exactly on how long uh, the, the the shutdowns last. I I certainly don't think so. You know, fiscal policy I think is going to be wheeled out in a very big way, uh, not just in the U.S. and Canada, but in many many countries uh, to basically support incomes uh, to get the economy coming back. And, you know, uh, someone said yesterday, almost almost by definition, this is going to be relatively short-lived as, uh, as, as people come, uh, come back to work. There will be second round effects, third round effects of, uh, of these shutdowns. Um, but that's, that's where the lower interest rates and the fiscal policy hopefully will help turn things around relatively quickly later this year. What sort of fiscal policy do you think we need to see from the government to, you know, help the economy during this time? Well, and we're going to find out relatively quickly, it appears. Um, but I think generally speaking, what we're looking at are things like income support to try to help support uh, small businesses too that are that are facing a lot of challenges. Basically, give them a relief valve. You know, perhaps they uh, can hold off on on paying taxes for uh, for a quarter or more. You know, perhaps they get uh, some relief on on payroll taxes and that sort of thing. And and there is going to have to be some direct. Uh, support for industries that are especially hard hit and regions that are especially hard hit. Regions, uh, you know, obviously include the oil producers like Alberta and Saskatchewan in particular. But uh, just in terms of the industries, the sectors, uh, of course, travel and tourism is in the entertainment sector will be the hardest hit of uh, of all sectors. And, and there might be some special measures there to help those sectors. But I, I think the government should start fairly big and you know, stand ready to increase uh, spending even more if necessary. And just to give you an idea of scale, when we look back to uh, the episode in 2008-2009, the OECD, the G20, decided or recommended that countries spend about 2% of GDP on uh, helping to support 
I think we're looking at, at that neighborhood again. And 2% of GDP is over $40 billion here in Canada. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to come all at once. The government can uh, keep some in reserve, uh, to, again, depending on how long some of these shutdowns last. Uh, but I suspect we're going to be looking in that neighborhood, if not even larger at the end of the day. Are we in good enough fiscal shape to do that? I know the Trudeau government has been criticized for running deficits during the good times. Is this going to impact the government's ability to respond to this crisis? You know, do we have that uh, room to afford to uh, shovel cash to deal with this crisis? I think the short answer is we do, provided a lot of what they spend on is is seen as temporary and everyone realizes it's temporary and they don't build in a lot of long-run costs. So basically just to bridge uh, the economy through uh, through a very challenging period. You know, and of course, one of the uh, the flow-throughs from, uh, from what's happened in the markets in the last couple of weeks is that government borrowing costs have absolutely plunged. You know, the government of Canada can borrow for 10 years for now for about uh, 75 basis points. That's likely to be well below inflation over the next 10 years, well below economic growth over the next 10 years. So the short answer is they do, they do have the capacity to, uh, to borrow. Yes, it would have been ideal if we came into this in somewhat better fiscal shape. But, the, you know, the government was looking at a deficit this year of uh, a little bit more than 1% of GDP. Look, during, you know, during years gone by, we've run 5 or 6% uh, deficits. I believe there was even one year where we had an 8% deficit to GDP during the, uh, the depths of the, uh, the recession in the 80s. It's not an ideal situation to be in, but this is a tough situation for everyone and for the economy. And if it takes uh, big, big spending, uh, as long as it's temporary, I, I, I think so be it. When it comes to provinces like Alberta that are also going to be hit by rock bottom oil prices. What are you going to be looking for there as the energy industry is particularly affected by sort of this double whammy? Yeah, and it is a classic double whammy. And frankly, you know, if there's been any big surprise in the past 10 days, it was just uh, the the price war between uh, Saudi Arabia and, and Russia. Uh, you know, for most of the past year, it looked as if Saudi Arabia and OPEC was doing everything it could to support oil prices. And then, you know, they basically pulled a, a 180. And this is just really, really tough news uh, for our oil producing regions. No, uh, no two ways about it. They were already dealing with a number of challenges. Uh, and what we've seen is the, uh, you know, the premier of Alberta, Mr. Kenny, uh, has already talked about the possibility of uh, some some support package, some stimulus spending. Even though Alberta's been running big budget deficits in recent years, they are still in relatively good shape compared to most other provinces. They do have more fiscal capacity, certainly, uh, than Ontario or Quebec uh, do at uh, this point. So uh, Alberta still can spend more if uh, if need be, but they are, they are going to be running some pretty big deficits in the, in the next couple of years. For provinces that you know typically rely more on exports, uh, the loonie has already dropped deeply in prices. It was under seventy-one cents today. I'm wondering, what are your projections on the loonie as we deal with this? Well, um, you know, weak, weakening a weakening global economy, a rising U.S. dollar as investors seek safety and weak commodity prices, those things are not good news for the Canadian dollar. And we have seen it buckle in the last week. It's, it's interesting to me how stable the currency had been up until fairly recently. And really, over the last year, it had been remarkably stable, uh, you know, given a fairly unusual economic backdrop we had even in 2019. It was impressive how stable the currency was, but it, like almost every other uh, non-US dollar currency, has uh, has suffered 
and uh, the loony especially so because of the weakness in uh, in oil prices. I, I would expect it to weaken further in the next uh, few months. When uh, when markets stabilize, as the global economy stabilizes, starts to come back, presumably oil prices start to uh, recover somewhat, I would look for the, the loony to come back uh, pretty significantly uh, later this year and into 2021. But I think we're going to have a challenge even getting back to where we started. Um, you know, if we think back a month ago uh, when we were closer to 75 cents, I, th- I think it's going to take the currency more than a year and a half to get back to those kind of levels. And one last question before I let you go. What sort of advice, if any, would you have for working Canadians during this time of uncertainty where, you know, some people are able to work from home, others are monitoring their stock portfolios and trying not to have heart attacks, and others are really worried that their jobs might be at risk if they work at a small business. I'm wondering what sort of advice would you have for people? Well, first of all, stay healthy. Second of all, just uh, just remember that um, you know there is going to be a lot of stimulus in place after we're over this uh, this mountain, and you know when we're we're on the other side of it. As I said, I do think the economy is going to come back uh, relatively quickly. Are we going to get all the way back to where we were quickly? No, it it might take a year and a half to uh, to to get back to some kind of normality completely. But you know, I think the thing to keep in mind is policymakers are well aware of the kind of challenges that small businesses are facing, that big businesses are facing, that individuals are facing, and they're going to do what they can to try to support the economy and, and to, uh, you know, to basically try to mi- minimize job losses and, uh, and, and, like I said, get the economy recovering when we're past the, past the health crisis. Doug, thank you so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. That was Doug Porter, Chief Economist at BMO. Thank you so much for listening to Down to Business. A big thank you to our team for pulling this together remotely this week. Music and production by Bryce Hall and editing by Yadula Hussain. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and rate us on your podcast app. I'm Emily Jackson, and until next week, I hope you all stay nice and healthy. You can still get all your business news at financialpost.com.